This is a podcast from Rover. Welcome back into Rex, uh, straight into it, part two of the show, the Saturday edition. Well, the Ag Emissions, of course, pricing plan makes for pretty grim reading for iwi and Māori. Uh, Māori landowners have a substantial primary sector asset base, uh, including $8.6 billion in sheep and beef farming, $4.9 billion in dairy farming, and $2.6 billion in other agriculture. Uh, almost 20,000 uh, employed. Uh, Murray employed across these uh, these wonderful farms and assets. Uh, a direct quote from the plan. Have a listen to this. An emissions pricing system is likely to disproportionately disadvantage Maori landowners with flow-on effects for uh, Maori more broadly. Gee, I tell you what, that's concerning. We've got uh, Federation of Maori Authorities representative Hilton Collier on the line to tell us more. Welcome on to the show, uh, Hilton. What, what you know? What, what do you think of what's uh, come out this week from the? You know, you were part of the of the steering group, the Hiwaka Ekanoa. What do you, what do you make of this? Well, it's, good morning, Hamish, and I guess none of us are happy. So I guess that gives you an indication of uh, the complexity of the issues. You know, certainly we recognise there are a lot of implications for Māori landowners. Uh, we have the added complexity of some very difficult legislation that we need to operate our businesses under. So not only uh, is the majority of our state class 6, 7 and 8 hill country, which is most at risk of land use change, Mm -hmm. but given we have difficulties accessing the capital to make changes uh, and the, the complex legislation that we're required to operate under, makes it very difficult for landowners and our businesses to get to a point where we can easily comply or adapt to what Hiwaka Ekenor is proposing. But I certainly agree there will be some significant impacts of what's proposed, uh, but a little bit of me likes to be an optimist. I'm sure there will be some new opportunities as well. Yeah, look, one of the things, Hilton, that I'm sort of thinking about here is surely it would be all about us protecting our beautiful land, our, our the gift that we have, and the way that it looks after our people and communities uh, from you know one end of the country to the other. But it seems that we're more sort of happy about getting a clap, clap on pat on the back from the world stage because we dropped our emissions, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, it just seems to me that this we've lost the plot a bit with this, um, and it, it not only can we. We might even struggle to find middle ground. Oh, I agree absolutely with, with your comments. Um, and at the end of the day, all I can reflect on is what our shareholders, our Māori landowners, uh, say to us when we make land use decisions. Yep. They want us to balance our ability to be good farmers with good custodians of what are essentially assets that we will be passing down to future generations and to make sure that when we pass the land, it's certainly at least in no worse state and at best much better than it has been before. I think in New Zealand we're very good at allowing things to happen and then after the event deciding we don't like it. And the one that is sort of top of mind, certainly we're talking about Hiwaka Ekeno right now, uh, but I just look at some of the decisions we make about land use change on some of our best, most sensitive soils. And when I look at how a lot of that beautiful uh, vegetable growing ground around places like Pukekohe Mm. is being transitioned, 
Mm. You know, I, I think we need to have some mature conversations about how to create that mixed, integrated mosaic of land use that will sustain future generations. I think the discussions we're having at the moment about greenhouse gases are just a blip in time. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, what would you, you were on the steering group, what would you have liked to have seen in this document? What was your ideal outcome here? I would hope that it was more aspirational and visionary mm-hmm. rather than telling us what we can't do yeah. or if we want to do what we need to pay. How do we create a better pathway and a better vision for the future that you know, I think whether you're a Māori landowner or a non-Māori landowner, we all want to leave a legacy of things being better than they were for the next generation. And, and I think that's just a New Zealand thing. Unfortunately, we now have a piece of legisl- or proposed legislation that is about uh, compliance, not about creating the future landscapes that sustain us. And you know, again, it goes back to my earlier comments. We're very good at creating regulations and policies that are responses rather than trying to be aspirational about what the future needs to look like. That gives us certainty and confidence to move forward uh, with much more clarity of the future. Yeah. Do you you think the way that it stands, could we see a lot of Māori land be planted into carbon or forestry or will changes to the ETS and potential changes to carbon credits be a bit of a double blow for Māori here? Well, to be, to be honest, if forgetting about the Waki Kino and emissions for the moment, mm. I think if we look at all the economic drivers, not just regulation, it is pointing to significant land use change. You know, the red meat sector is on a high at the moment. We're getting very good prices. But we're also seeing a lot of imported cost pressure. Fertiliser, 500 bucks a tonne, near enough for superphosphate. So a lot of those pressures will start to point to a need for land use change. And I was having a discussion with someone the other day. Even if you lease your land for um, the growing of carbon credits, it's 800 bucks a hectare. A lot of the marginal hill country here on the East Coast, you're pretty flat out making a couple of hundred dollars a hectare. Yes, it looks so pretty attractive, mind, doesn't it, it? It makes it very attractive. And in my mind, it's how do we get the $800 per hectare on on some of our farm and yet retain most of our farm for food production? Yeah, that is a good question. Yeah. I'm certainly not a fan of, of sort of boundary fence to boundary fence land use conversion because of the way it will decimate our rural communities. Yeah, but hey, let's uh, let, let's strike the there's some balance in there somewhere without. Hey, look, one last question, Hilton, before we go. Uh, I know that you want to uh, rebut here. There's been a few rumours that taxpayer funding would be available for Maori to help transition. Uh, Piers, this is not the case. Oh, ab- absolutely. That's an absolute red herring. Yeah. What the proposed uh, legislation sets out is that any revenue generated from Māori land through our emissions will be ring-fenced and reinvested or recycled onto Māori land. Uh, And history shows that previously when we've paid levies, we've tended to be forgotten about because of the nature of our business operations. 
If the Minister feels so obliged to give us some taxpayer dollars, I'm sure we'd take it. But that's certainly not my interpretation yep. of the documentation. Thank you very much, Federation of Māori Authorities there. Hilton Collier join us there to clarify uh, the devastating effect uh, that this will have, uh, this emissions, the pricing, etc., etc. Ah, dear, oh dear, oh dear. You are listening uh, to Rex. There's a lot more to come on this. We'll brighten things up a little bit next.